should Stanford cancel itself and not even be named Stanford anymore? I'm a level with you all. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We are back. Welcome to season two of Marcos Mosaic, the storytelling series that highlights the many unique experiences of a single Marcos community here at Stanford University. Okay, actually, um, I'm not at Stanford right now. I'm actually recording from my home in Durham, North Carolina. Um, I'm your host, Ira Glass. That was another lie. Uh, my name is Armand Kassam. Anyways, welcome to the new academic year and sorry that we're so late. Last season, we featured episodes on the subject of breaking bread. What does it mean to share food with family, with friends, and strangers? These episodes were tons of fun to make, but one of the things we didn't get to do last year was feature conversations between people. This time around, we want to do just that. Our new theme this year is, drumroll please, Heart to Heart. Each episode features a new conversation between two members of the Marcos community. These are peers and mentors, teachers and students, best friends, and, for today's episode, siblings. These episodes will necessarily be different every time, but each one will touch upon relationships during quarantine, the disruption, transformations, and unexpected silver linings that crisis has come with. Above all, we want to feature voices from the community, so if you're interested at all and you have an interesting story to tell with perhaps an interesting person to tell it with, then we are interested in you reaching out. In all seriousness, we'd love the chance to work with you, so please get in touch. With that being said, let me give you the rundown for today's episode. About two weeks ago in early October, I had the opportunity to listen in on a convo between two brothers, Hamza and Yusuf, whom I didn't particularly know well beforehand, but after having listened to the recounting of these past eight months, chock full of disappointment and uneasiness, but also hope and reflection, I felt like I knew them on a spiritual level. The conversation began with introductions. This is my brother Hamza, recent graduate, class of 2020 from Stanford University, a film studies major while also being pre-med, and so now he's in the process of doing all the pre-med things that you do before med school. So recently took the MCAT and also has some research and things lined up. So yeah, that's the path that he's on. And I'm net to, I'm speaking with my little brother, Yusuf, also a student at Stanford. He's currently a sophomore, a prospective history major who's also pre-law. So Hamza, obviously these last eight months or so, ever since we got kicked off of campus back in March, you know, your year was cut off. So how did it feel to have your senior year be cut off, your Stanford experience cut off, and then sort of be forced to mature on your own? No, I mean, in simplest starting answer, it was rough emotionally. My plan for my senior year had been that fall quarter and winter quarter, I knew I would keep myself busy. I'd taken on a lot of additional leadership positions for for film and stuff on campus that I hadn't done before. Uh, and I was writing an honors thesis for the film studies major. So my whole plan was fall and winter quarter, I'd be super busy, but I'd get a ton done. I'd be really satisfied with the work I did. And spring quarter would be the time where I'd be able to 
have that sort of quintessential end of college experience with my friends. I'd, have, I'd be taking a lighter class load. I'd be done with my thesis. And that was the time I was planning to spend with my friends. I was just super busy for the first two thirds of the year. My hope was, you know what? It'll all be worth it because I'll have that time to end the year on a good note. Yeah, and then COVID happened. So we uh, flew home in the last week of winter quarter, went through that kind of weird period that everyone went through of not really knowing what the next step was, came to the realization that we were not going to go back for spring quarter. And so I was not going to have that time with my friends that I thought I was going to. And it was, I mean, it was, it was disappointing. And I guess it was disappointing on two levels. There was obviously just the immediate component of it, of the things that I wanted to do with my friends that weren't going to happen anymore. But then there was this feeling and this fear that unfortunately has now largely been realized that once school was done, as much as I would want to, I wouldn't talk to my college friends as much as I'd like to. I just, all of us would be busy with post-graduation stuff. And so even this feeling of we can make up for the time we lost by doing Zoom calls or Skype calls or even for people that were sort of close to me that are in the Chicago area. So then within the bounds of safety, seeing them in person, none of that really happened. So it was lonely, but I guess I I saw it coming on some level. But I guess for the back end of that question of maturing faster than I wanted to. Yeah, I mean, it didn't happen the way I would have preferred, but there's definitely things of, of emotional maturity that... I'm glad I got the opportunity to deal with. So, I mean, learning to deal with disappointment is probably the biggest one. Taking what I could out of the things I did get for my spring quarter and just trying to take those in stride. So, you know, there were the the little wins here and there of getting my diploma in the mail. The actual And not getting it bent. And not having it bent. I don't know if people have seen those memes of, of people getting their diplomas in the mail and it clearly says on the envelope, do not bend. It's at a perfect 90 degree angle. So that was just sad to watch. No, I mean, you had those little wins here and there of, of course, having Yusuf here with me, just being home with family, yeah, getting my diploma in the mail, the actual day of graduation, my parents and the rest of my family did as much as they could to still make it feel like a special day. And I'm always going to be grateful for that. But um, no, I mean, otherwise, it was just about learning to live with that disappointment. And now... Now it's kind of odd. I mean, Yusuf said for me that I have things lined up now for my first gap year. I'll be applying for medical school next spring, but otherwise I'm just kind of in um kind of in a lull period of my life at this point. But yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah. You know, I feel like f- obviously this whole event of COVID happening and universities being forced into action, it most likely definitely hurt the seniors most at that time because you got arguably the most special time away from you or for you taken away like in graduation something you work towards and you have that essentially taken away in the sense that you don't get the grand experience and so you know I think that resonated with a lot of people in that same vein though I think you know I was in my first year at Stanford and my experience thus far up until COVID happening had been amazing and especially like I was really really lucky to you know, I lived in East Flomo uh, in Alondra, which I believe is the smallest all-frosh dorm. So shout out to all of my Alondra friends and roommates and neighbors and everything. Just such a loving community. And especially Winter Quarter, I had felt that we had such a great community. And then when it all happened and it all got kind of cut off and taken away from me, like in the months after that, it felt like, I don't know, it felt like it didn't even happen. Like, because I was there for like, 
five, six months maybe. And then it was sort of just ended so abruptly. And it's like, I was cast into such uncertainty that was so wild. And then for me to come back to Rockford and be home and be forced to finish winter quarter online and do all the spring quarter online, you know, that messed up my schedule so much. And in a lot of ways, like it felt like I was back in high school and Humza, you know this, but um, my senior year of high school is actually really, really rough. You know, I, you know, the best thing to happen to me was of course, getting into Stanford. And I was so excited about that. But my entire second semester was like very emotionally draining. Like I had a lot going on and yeah. And I never wanted to go back to that, but it felt like coming home during the spring quarter and sort of being like, I shouldn't be here. I should be in California with my friends and doing things and going to class and to be basically stuck back in my room, you know, grinding through CS classes and stuff, which is something else that I'm interested in, but it just didn't feel the same. Yeah. So did you feel like you were also back in high school or because you had sort of had a majority of your college experience, maybe it wasn't like that? I see. I mean, I had a very different experience from what you did. I mean, I saw the way that you were working. It, it, it made me kind of concerned to see the way that Yusuf was working. Because I remember, I also remember how he was with that senior year of high school. I was I was at Stanford at that point, but just for calling and just kind of hearing how he was doing. And to give credit to Yusuf, he, he did significantly more in high school than I did. He worked a lot harder than I did, took on a lot more for himself. And so I got into Stanford with less. So I admire him for that. But um, no, but I mean, for reflecting on, on my spring quarter, it was, I hate to say it, it just kind of felt like I wanted to get it over with. I felt that, okay, now I'm not going to get the quarter I wanted. And I love my professors. And for the friends I did see in my Zoom classes, I love them too. But I think me, like a lot of people, I just didn't really have the motivation to put into it what I should have, or maybe what, I've, what I would have wanted to any other quarter. Some of it was already due to like availability of classes. So what I could take anyway, and that not going exactly the way I wanted it to. Some of it admittedly was, was, were problems I created myself. So our dad suggested to the both of us, Hey, this spring quarter is pass fail. Why don't you take something you wouldn't have taken otherwise? Uh, because the consequences are less and barring some kind of disaster, you'll just get out of it with a passing grade and it, it'll be fine. And I was thinking to myself, you know, what should I take? I, there's not really any other film studies classes I can take. And maybe you did all your pre-med stuff. Yeah, I done all my pre-med stuff. I done all my ways requirements. And I don't know, maybe I should have spent more time thinking about this. But the first idea that came to mind is like, you know what? Let me take CS106A. I'd never taken any computer science at Stanford. Probably one of the few people that managed to do that. And I said, you know what? It's not the ideal situation, but let me get something out of the CS department while I'm still at the school. So I took 106A and... That was just a bizarre experience. I wasn't terrible at CS. I don't think I was great at it either. I did have this fear going into the class that I was going to fall in love with it and realize I'd made a terrible mistake, that I had completely misused the last four years and I should have done CS. Thankfully, that didn't happen. But, I mean, it was an odd experience. It's definitely the thing that kept me the busiest. This is like a class that mostly incoming freshmen take their first like fall quarter. So it's almost like the polar opposite of what you did being Oh yeah, I was um in I your was in, senior spring. Yeah, I was embodying it. meme status. There's definitely been memes on uh uh Stanford Meme Freddy yeah. Trees about uh, the lone senior spring student just hanging out in CS one oh six A with yeah. all the fresh eyed well freshmen. 
And you know what? If anything, I can say I'm glad it was over Zoom then, because then you don't have to see me just kind of walking into class with uh, yeah. with that <laughs> look on my face. Years, but yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. I associate that class a lot with the fact that we are also doing Ramadan at home. And there was a very specific way that our days played out where I'd have CS uh, section essentially right before the time we'd break our fast. And so if I had to stay late for section to ask questions or for other days when I'd have to go to Lair virtually to get help on problem sets, also that would bleed into the time we'd break our fast. So it was just a bizarre kind of time. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like I was saying, my spring quarter was pretty demanding. I was in SLE, and so having that experience transferred virtually. And my section in SLE, we had students from all over the world. So some students were in China, some students were in Singapore, some were in South Korea. And so my SLE section for spring quarter was, I think, at like 11 o'clock at night, you know, two times a week. And I was in that, and then two pretty heavy CS courses as well. And so like Hamza was saying... Spring quarter is also what encompassed Ramadan. And that for me was another sort of like emotionally deprivating thing, which felt horrible because, you know, for people of the Islamic faith, Ramadan is this time to be spiritually enriched. But for me, it was sort of like, you know, this was going to be the first time I was going to have Ramadan away from home. I was excited about Ramadan at Stanford. A lot of the older students, the upperclassmen were talking it up, saying, oh, the nightly iftars are great, the campus-wide iftar where we get out on White Plaza and have music and, and, and talks and discussions and people from the whole campus come and celebrate. I was really looking forward to that. And then to have that taken away from me and then come back to Rockford and with COVID, not, at, not even being able to go to the masjid or the mosque nightly for prayer or not have like the proper, you know, final Eid prayer that we should have, that was really, really rough. And then that on top of my classes... Yeah, my sleep schedule was so messed up. I would basically sleep from the time you ate, so around 4 or 5 in the morning, until like 1 or 2 in the afternoon, and then I'd wake up and be exhausted from fasting. So I would just kind of like sit around, and I really wouldn't start doing my work as studying until sunset, which in the summer is around 7.30, 8, 8.30 o'clock. And so then I would work from basically then until then three, four in the morning. And, you know, I had PSET partners and stuff. And so I remember being on late night Zoom calls with my friends literally until three or four in the morning. And it was such a grind. And, you know, that's what was miserable about spring quarter for me was because like it was the shift to being online, being away from my friends. And then even something that should be really, really important as a Muslim, I felt was even that I was being, it was depleted. I mean, there was... um. Yeah, there was a certain monotony to the days that resulted from the online classes. And it, it, yeah, it felt wrong to feel that way during Ramadan. Because like you said, there was so much of what that month would be. They'd be tiring otherwise. And I did my first day Ramadans at school. So, I mean, having exams, having classes, going to office hours and still fasting and having that. But at the very least, there was iftars at Old Union in the Marcos. So there was that opportunity to... um just to break your fast with other people. So there was at least that camaraderie sense to it. The Eid festival at school last year was a ton of fun. So there was that element that was missing. And then, yeah, even when we came home because of COVID, um, the things that we would otherwise normally benefit from by being back home with the religious community that we grew up with, yeah, they just weren't there. There are two positive things. One of them was what you said mentioned of having our family there, that our grandparents really were just um, the bomb for the kind of monotony 
of the day that there was something just really draining about doing online classes. So having our grandparents there that we knew that even if we didn't see them a ton during the day because we were in our bedrooms doing our Zoom classes most of the time, come Mugrib time, we would see their faces and we'd see their smiles. And that was just nice to have that at the end of the day. But then for me personally, um, like a big development that came out of being home early because of COVID and then coming into Ramadan was me reflecting on the fact that uh, even though Yusuf and myself were both like were, were practicing Muslims, I had just not done a good job maintaining my five daily prayers for the time since I was 15, 16, where I was really held responsible for them personally, I had just not done a good job of doing them. So I made the decision to say, you know, I'm going to pretend I didn't pray a single day from the time I turned 15, and I'm going to make up every single prayer that I missed, in addition to now just having the discipline to do my five daily prayers correctly. And that was something that was intensely, intensely draining, because now you see how much discipline it really takes to make that a part of your day. But I am really, really glad I did it. Um, because I've had issues with anxiety of thinking, you know, I'm not doing a good job of praying. What does that say about me as a Muslim? This was now a thing where even though the rest of the world was really chaotic and scary and kind of angering, this act of praying namaz, of making up for past shortcomings and now having this discipline to do it every day and carry that into the future, it definitely helped. It was something that I had some control over. I can say, yeah, no matter what's going on in the rest of the world, this is a responsibility I have and, and I could fulfill it. We've both talked about how spring quarter sort of coming back, you getting your senior year cut off, my, me getting my first year cut off, that emotional tension, that's all very real. But actually, in some ways, and, you know, I guess in me asking this, you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, maybe I'll say some things that you might not want to be shared. And so, you know, to be meta, maybe in the editing process, this can be omitted. But, you know, Hamza... One thing that I think you will say as well, and something that, you know, people close to you will say is that you're a fairly reserved person in the sense that, and it's not a bad thing. It's in the sense that you sort of know your space and you know what you enjoy and you have your people who also know that. And so you, you enjoy being in that comfortable space. Mm -hmm. And so for me, one thing that I perceived is home as in our home in Rockford is one of those spaces for you. So for me, in some ways, I actually perceived you as having maybe enjoyed being at home, maybe even more than being at Stanford. And while that may or may not be true in terms of like, you know, being away from your friends, Mm -hmm. it was sort of like, maybe it's because you were on your way out and, you know, in a few months you would have been home anyways, versus for me, like I was just at the beginning Mm -hmm. and like I would be going back. But I don't know, um, you know, how accurate is that assessment? And, you know, how does that perception compare to sort of the overarching tension of, you know, not being with your friends and not getting to graduate? I mean, I don't know if that characterization is like totally accurate, but there's there's truth to that. I mean, I've always been more introverted and a bit of a homebody. So, I mean, in 2016, when my mom moved me into Stanford, 
Um, I've always been the type that gets very homesick and, uh, no, that was the day where it finally became very real. Like my mom was going to leave and this was going to be it. And so I, I teared was, up too. It's okay. You know, it's I, not he, just you. He teared up. I was bawling. <laughs> I was not having a good time that day. Yeah. I just, I remember we were in Flomo dining. We were out in sort of the patio space and there was some kind of programming going on that was like something to be like really, really excited about. And I'm just sitting there trying to, like, hold back tears. Like, it was not a good time. Obviously, I adjusted, and it, it worked out well. But I say that to say I am a bit of a homebody, so I've always been excited to come home for breaks. And uh, there's always, like, that sense of, uh, not a loneliness necessarily, but there's always that adjustment period I would have to go back through whenever I'd come back to school. Just, like, the day I'd be flying back um, after my parents had dropped me off at the airport. Now I'm alone flying back home. Obviously, this is before Yusuf started. You know, you had that sense of, like, like a traveler's loneliness for a little bit, but then I would get back on campus and I would see friendly faces in the dorm, just get reacquainted with my room, with my surroundings, with classes starting the next day. And it all kind of came back together. So on some level, I was happy to be home, but at the same time, I, like a lot of people, didn't really get to say goodbye to my friends. The only person that I was able to really have like one last, like this nice, meaningful interaction with on campus is uh, is my friend Jacob Cooperman. So Jacob, if you're listening to this, shout out to you. (laughs) Shout out to Columbay, I guess. Uh, And shout out to Tap. Yeah, we just, we were both at Tap just kind of coincidentally and we just had one last chance to just have a meal and just talk as friends there. Talk about music, talk about film, talk about the things we always talked about. And I was really grateful to at least have that because I think it was probably the next day or the day after that, Yusuf and I just bounced from our dorms and you know for me like the way that I would sort of go against the the characterization of me like being happy I was home is this year I I just live in a co-op so I lived in Kairos um and I'd really come to like love living there I mean it was always a decision I was secure in but I was really happy with the dorm community there and it was the same thing of spring quarter was the quarter where I was going to have a lot more free time and I was going to be able to be able to like a lot more engaged with the house. And that just didn't happen. So maybe more than anything else, there was just like a sense of emptiness of not having that, that admittedly, I was able to kind of fill that up by being home. I mean, there are things by that obviously helped our grandparents being there was the big one. Even just um, going like grocery shopping with my mom, just a feeling that there was something productive we were doing. But I was I was also just with my mom. It was nice and that helped. But yeah, I don't know. I, I would say it's, it was overall like a mixed thing with that. Part of me was happy to be home. Part of me really wanted to have that last quarter. But um, now a few months removed from it. I mean, I'm always going to hold that disappointment in my heart a little bit. But I am grateful with what I got that yeah. I came home. Obviously, Yusuf and I came home safely. As far as we know, we weren't sick. We did not get our grandparents or any of our other family sick. So for a lot of like those material things, we're blessed that we didn't have to worry about that so we are grateful for that component yeah it's really funny that you mentioned that story with jacob because i have a similar story but sort of a negative twist and honestly it's my own fault not with jacob me and me and my friends satya roche and ashwin ash from alondra sort of the brown boy squad of alondra but i remember one night we were up late in my room listening to music working on p sets and we were about to go to tap and we're sitting there just talking and hanging out. And very, very foolishly, I just say out loud, like, man, you know, and this was definitely during winter quarter. I don't remember exactly when, but definitely said something like, you know, 
one day this is going to be the last day that we get to do this. And then like, we're going to move on from this. And I remember Satya being like, bro, shut up. Why would you say that? <laughs> and lo and behold, like a few weeks later, we all get kicked off essentially. So, you know, maybe this is all my fault. Maybe it was a bad omen. So I'm sorry, y'all. That could be on me. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just goes to show that you never really know what's going to happen. I feel like, you know, that sort of sums up a lot of our of our spring, but, you know... Summer. Yeah, after spring, was... sort of yours was wrapped up, but I know for myself, I was stepping into a lot of uncertainty. I was stepping into some, some structure. I was able to, you know, some of the organizations and clubs that I was involved in my first year, I was able to step into some more constructive roles over the summer, so... Um, all very timely roles as well. I stepped into the co-president role of Students for Justice in Palestine. And I also stepped into the social justice director role for the Muslim Student Union. So two roles that I'm very lucky to be able to work in and, and work with amazing people to sort of, you know, help make a change both within our communities, within Stanford and then abroad. And, you know, I think you feel similar. But for me, it was sort of like I, I was sort of flapping around at the beginning of summer trying to figure out what I was going to do. You know, it was very hard for me to try and find like an internship or something. So I ultimately ended up taking a full course of summer classes. But at the same time, there was like a lot of things that I wanted to do to stay active. And I wanted to go to protests and do more. Like I went to a protest maybe once or twice. And, you know, Hamza and I both gave some money here and there. But I think and you can expand on this, but there's a sense of guilt, I think, in wanting to do more especially in our hometown of Rockford, where um, one of the protests that I did go to was on May 30th. And this was sort of, you know, in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd. And there was a really large protest march in Rockford. And at the end of that event, I think some of the comrades in that rally were arrested or, or and then all throughout the night, there was some more arrests and, and altercations. And so that became a, a trending hashtag in our area, in Rockford of JM30, Justice for May 30th. And that's been a thing that's been consistent all summer. And it was also something where like, I want to do more, but it was sort of like trying to balance wanting to do more for that and wanting to be an ally and wanting to get out there, but then also being busy with this summer load of classes that mm -hmm. I'm trying to do. You know, Hamza, you have your own experience with that if you want to yeah. you know, speak on that as well. No, so I mean, once I graduated, I had about two or three days, and then I dove right into studying for the MCAT. And so, you know, any other year without COVID, the plan would have always been, okay, I graduate, I can rest for, for a little bit, but now got to focus on taking the MCAT. That's what the summer will be dedicated to. And it, it was odd because with COVID, it was this weird thing where, on the one hand, it gave me sort of the perfect as weird as to say that, the perfect conditions to study for this test. Couldn't leave the house anyway, so might as well prepare for this test while I'm home. And so that's just what I did. My head was just buried in textbooks and going over practice exams for the whole summer. But then at the same time, COVID really just revealed the deep 
political rot that's central to this country, sort of the the ways that systemically things don't work for poor black and brown people. There is a lot of privilege that comes from the fact that we can stay at home safely and focus on things that are in going to work, I think, to a good end. I mean, for use of wanting to do law and to like do civil rights law, for me wanting to go into medicine and engage with community medicine, we know we're working towards something that will entail and make the world a better place. But yeah, there was that feeling of guilt of saying, you know, we want to be out there. It's not to say that we're going to deliberately do something to get ourselves arrested because we know, I mean, that itself can be sometimes like a self-defeating behavior where you hurt yourself and the people around you more. But there was just that feeling of wanting to to do more than what we could have done and on to some extent what we should have done. And I don't know, that feeling kind of continues on now because COVID is just like this weird anomaly where on the one hand, everyone should do what they can to stay safe and do social distancing. But then um, there's also just the, this need to make ignored political voices known and it just it creates this weird situation for us so i mean yeah i mean yusuf he had his full slate of classes yeah like i said he was there for the protest on may 30th i remember that day i really wanted to be able to go with them but i was taking a practice mcat that day and i just i couldn't at the time i I couldn't justify it to myself but i i do hold on to that guilt now that i couldn't have been a part of something at that time yeah, unfortunately, there's no like uplifting part of that. It's 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 an odd thing. We had our responsibilities to sort of our academic and professional selves, and I guess that's the the folly of capitalism of being kept so busy that you can't give yourself to something else. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe Hamza wouldn't go this far. I think, in some ways, I failed in the sense that. No, I, I'd say I failed too. I agree with you. There it's, were it's times where, where I could have done more. And especially with what I was saying earlier with stepping into these roles where I'm visibly someone who's, you know, you look at the positions that I hold, you're like, oh, this person should definitely be doing more. And what I realize is that I think people take a very reactive, or I, I, I shouldn't generalize. I think me, I was taking a very reactive stance just sort of what was going on. And so that's when I realized that, no, to do this, you know, we have to be proactive about it. And that's why, you know, in my capacity, I want to do more and I want to do more about outreach and education and uplifting rather than just saying like something terrible happened, right? We, we condemn it. We say it's wrong. We protest. And that's kind of it gets brushed under the rug. It's something that really dawned on me, and, and, and I'm very grateful for my committee in the MSU, the Social Justice Committee, and sort of having those same sentiments, sort of recognizing this problem of this complacency. You know, there's still protests going on in Rockford. Just, I think, about a week ago in Rockford, an unarmed black man was shot three times in the back by a police officer and is currently, I think, in critical condition. People have been protesting outside of City Hall for like a few days yeah, straight, yeah. and it's like, you know, I want to go to those. I want to do that, but... You know, I'm enrolled in, in a pretty heavy class right now and I have, you know, commitment to that and like a, a lot of, you know, different things going on. And it's that same guilt of like, what am I doing? What am I really, really doing when I'm more focused on a computer science class than the livelihood of my peers and the livelihood of my community members? But 
I guess in that same vein, inshallah, like we can always take steps to become better and show our support in the ways that we can, but I don't know. One thing that I noticed about Hamza during this time is he took his MCAT towards the end of summer and now he's sort of like doing a lot of things that, you know, pre-meds do prior to, to applying to med school and going to med school. He has research lined up and, and he's doing a bunch of different things. And one thought I've had recently over these last few weeks is like, you know, oh my God, my brother's becoming a doctor, right? <laughs> Inshallah. We'll Inshallah. But yeah, it's just crazy because, you know, and, and this is another thing with us you know, being your younger brother for years, right? I mean, I'm 19, you're 22. So arguably for my entire 19 years of my life, I've sort of followed in your footsteps. And that's essentially been like, you know, we went to the same elementary, middle school and high school. So the thing of like, if I would ever walk into a teacher's classroom that and you had that teacher, you know, the first thing, oh, you're Hamza's younger brother, right? And it's like, that was something I was very used to. And like Hamza said, in high school, I did a lot of different things that I was able to have my own name for. But then the most recent thing, of course, is, you know, I also got in and went to Stanford, right? And, and we so, both did SLEE. And so. we both did SLEE. Right? <laughs> but again, sort of something where it's like, am I following in my brother's footsteps or am I making my own identity for myself? And I think that's something that, you know, I'll have for the rest of my life. But one thing that is different is sort of where our passions lie and where our studies lie. And you being pre-med track and I being pre-law track. You know, when I was a kid, I also had ideas or dreams of becoming a doctor and then you know, as I sort of matured and learned more about my own interests and my own perspectives, I realized I hate chemistry. That's honestly reason number one. But, you know, how does it feel to see the things that we talked about as kids, yeah. you know, come into fruition? Like the uh, dreams of, you know, making a name for ourselves and for you to become a doctor. Like, how does it feel to see that come into fruition? I mean, it's, it's weird, buddy. I mean, like, I... You know, so I mean, the, the end goal, you know, becoming a physician, that's still, you know, a number of years off. I got to get into med school, do a lot of these things along the way. But it's weird of seeing a lot of these major, major milestones, I guess, get reached or the really major, like major flagpoles just get passed for these are the steps you reach in your life. So I mean, finishing high school, getting into college, finishing college. And now I'm sort of on that. I, I'm in the midst of that of that phase where I'll be on the precipice of starting med school. And it's just weird to watch those steps kind of come and not pass me by, but college went by a lot faster than I thought it would. You know, some of it in part because of COVID cutting off that last quarter. But even aside from that, I had many, many nights of sitting around with my friends just thinking we're like halfway through our senior year. <laughs> like what's going on? Like we're, we're just getting closer and closer to the end. And it was just like a it's kind of a scary feeling with that. You know, getting the opportunities to, well, first just, like, slow down, but then also just immerse yourself in something that is genuinely just self-care kind of helps to deal with, like, everything that's overwhelming. So, for me, um, uh, film. Film and media has always been my self-care. It's it's why I chose to study it. Uh, the only reason I really didn't choose it as, like, a career aspiration is I don't think I'm I have, like, the tenacity and the and the personality kind of strike out on my own in like the film or TV industry. If I did, I'd be doing that. But I know that I can still like do something. I, I can be a productive 
spiritually fulfilled member of society being a doctor that also really loves movies. But so for the self-care element, yeah, once I finished the MCAT, which was basically like three straight months of no (laughs) self-care, finished the test, and I got to start watching movies again, and that was just a ton of fun to kind of, first of all, just like to chill out. That's just a simple thing. I'm not going to get pretentious on everyone. It was just nice to chill out and not have to worry about spending like eight hours a day studying. But then, no, one particular experience I had, well, two two experiences with movies. One was watching watching an anime film. Shout out Stanford Weaves. You know, yes, you know who you are. Um, present company included. <laughs> Shout out Weebs. But no, so watching an anime film called Millennium Actress that I highly recommend for anyone that's listening. Watching it and really, really, really loving it. And for the first time since I graduated, just grabbing my laptop and just starting, like, putting my thoughts down on paper. Like, what I what I wanted to say about the movie if I were to, like, write another paper on it or start a YouTube channel and maybe do video essays on film. But just this feeling of I connected to something in a really emotional way and I haven't done that in a really long time. I'm happy to have had this experience. Um, and then the second one was, uh, I watch a lot of movies with my mom. So shout out to, shout out to our mom. <laughs> she spent a lot of time humoring me watching films that I've said, on me, you're gonna, we call her mom, on me, you have to watch this movie with me. So I watched the Terrence Malick war movie with her thin red line. I loved it and she loved it. And that's the same thing, everyone, just like having that time where I could sit down and watch a movie with my mom, <laughs> that's self-care. And so that helps kind of cut through the pressure that comes down from from being pre-med. And uh, yeah, I guess that's what I got to say about that. Yeah. You know, like I said, spring quarter for us has been an incredible time of reflection and sort of thinking and to sort of wind it back a little bit in that same vein. While I am a perspective history major, I, I want to declare my major in history. It wasn't until the summer that I actually took my first history class. Shout out Slee for not giving history credit. That's kind of whack. <laughs> um, y'all should fix that because that kind of sucks. But no, nah, I still love Slee, but uh, that would have helped. But, you know, this summer I took a history class and I also took Abiyah Ahmed, who is the who is one of the, the directors for the Markaz, her class on Islam in America. And, you know, taking those courses this summer, like being in those discussions and, and writing those papers and writing those reflections for those classes, that was really intellectually and emotionally stimulating for me. And I think that was like a good break from, you know, some of the other classes that I've been taking throughout the year. And I was, I'm very grateful for that opportunity that amidst this, again, like I said, summer of unrest, I was able to at least explore something academic and, and something enlightening for me. So yeah, I think I'm very glad to say that spring quarter while it's still rough that we're not back on campus and I'm not with my friends I think maybe mentally and emotionally I am a bit in a better place I think I would still wish that I could be in California and I could be in Flomo again and I could be goofing off with my friends playing ping pong until three in the morning but you know those days will come again you know we're not entirely sure yet but you know I have faith that they will um but you know still trying to find the time that we can to you know stimulate ourselves with whatever we're passionate about one thing that we always did growing up or when i was growing up as a kid is you know we'd watch a lot of sports and so you know shout out oh the lakers just won the finals shout out to lebron that's the goat 
I don't want to hear any slander, LeBron slander about that. <laughs> LeBron is definitely the GOAT. But anyways, just saying like, you know, getting to watch sports again with my father and my grandfather is sort of something that I remember doing that as a kid and being wide-eyed in front of a television and watching football and basketball. And, you know, I'm a Detroit fan for everything. So that was a depressing childhood because <laughs> the Detroit teams suck. But uh, still, sort of reliving those memories and being able to talk to them about that and have people there to sort of share that again, has been something that I am very grateful to be back home. And that's something that, you know, I don't take for granted. And, you know, we're sort of all stuck in this situation right now. Um, not at the un- same level of like, you know, of, of, of the pain and the comfort that comes with that. But it, when we recognize that, yeah. Like, yeah. But, you know, I hope everyone is finding at least something that can be a source of some positivity. And I know that's incredibly difficult and Maybe not the case for everyone, but, you know, I don't really know how to be sort of, I don't know, I'm not Optimus Prime. I can't really give a lot of, like, good. motivational That's speeches. That's pretty good. Or, like, yeah, but. Maybe if there's one last thing to talk about, bringing it back to just what's deeply personal. So see, so it's October of 2020. Yusuf and I spent a lot of time talking about our grandparents, mom and dad's side. But if we, we talk about our dad's side for a second. Our paternal grandmother passed away last July, so July 2019. And I mean, by, by all accounts, I mean, that, that was rough. I mean, if we're going to go for like the silver lining with that, our whole core family, so our parents, our, ourselves and our younger sister, we were all home. But then also my dad, his older and younger sister, so our two aunts and our two first cousins, we were all together at the end when our grandma died. And I mean, that was just, and that was like an emotionally devastating time for all of us that our grandma was really like the matriarch of our family and to not have her there anymore was rough. And so with this summer coming up on in July, coming up on a year since, since we lost her, it was, it was, I mean, obviously it was sad, but there was a lot of things to reflect on. I mean, some of it was what would things have been like if he'd made it like into this year with the COVID pandemic going on now? I mean, like what that, what would that have meant for her and for her health and for our family having to deal with that? That's not to say that I'm not necessarily wanting to say anything about it. It was a blessing that we lost her when we did, but it's just something to reflect on of life kind of moves on in interesting ways. Um, you kind of have to just carry on without the people that were there before you. But the reason I'm bringing this up is now we do have the time at home to to ask our dad and our aunt and our grandpa just things about their lives growing up as immigrants in America and just hearing the stories that they have to tell. And you know, thankfully, a lot of it's happy and just for learning things about our grandmother that we didn't know, things that we wish we could have asked her about when she was still here, but we're very happy to know now. The way that she was when when Yusuf and myself and our younger sister, Julia, when we were first born, and just the way that she was with us. The, just the, the little just nuances and like idiosyncrasies she had with the rest of our family. Her cooking, seeing our mom and our aunts now carrying on um, a really, really powerful legacy of charity that she had of just cooking for so, so many people in like the Detroit Muslim community and for them carrying that on, that that was just like a source of positivity for us. That for as sad as it is not having her here anymore 
and always just taking pause in the day of thinking, you know, I can't give my grandma a hug anymore. There is like that feeling of, of memory that holds. And I think just memory of people. And so I don't know. I mean, for anyone that has lost family during COVID, we pray for you and pray for just your emotional well-being, the well-being of your family. We, yeah, like we said, we've had our own experiences with loss, but I mean, for everyone, it's different and it's not about, it's certainly not a competition, but it is about just like that core of caring that everyone can be a part of. I don't know. So I mean, now, um, more than a year since she's been gone, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just something to think about. I don't have like a good, like a, just a good way, like a good exclamation point, like, like a good punctuation point to that sentence. But no, just the thought of remembering who came before you. And taking some happiness, like, in their memory, that's been really, really helpful for us. And that would have been the same even without COVID. That would have been the same no matter whatever else was going on in our lives. We were always going to remember our grandmother. And, yeah. Yeah. For me, you know, that was a really wild summer, right? I had just graduated from high school, I was about to start college, and then basically right in the middle of all of that, this happens. And it was rough, like Hamza said. But, you know, I think Hamza put it perfectly that, you know, one story that I think I remember my grandfather telling us about our family's history is that our grandmother's grandfather or, or you know, somewhere far back in our lineage were some of the fighters against, you know, English colonialism of India. And, you know, when I heard that, it made me stop and think for a second that, you know, this has been a lifelong struggle for so many people across generations, across territories, across cultures. And, you know, like Hamza said of having that sort of living, breathing memory sort of taking that in stride and, and trying to, you know, almost go back to that and, and, you know, embody that today. And how can I embody that today? And yeah, I think that's the most important thing in everything that I do, you know, in, in activism work, in my studies, in my friends, in my family, and all of those different things. It's sort of, you know, that living memory, I think, is, is incredibly important. First thing that went through my mind when I got this email from Armand, you know, asking Hamza and I to be part of this podcast, and he, it's funny, he mentions in the email the story is they were trying to figure out who would be the pilot episode, who would be the first people to come on, and Cassie recommended Hamza and I. And I was flattered. To be completely honest, I didn't know Cassie knew who I was. I'm right so, there with Yusuf. Well, I know, no, no, I yeah. thought that she knew who you were because you, were, you had, you know, been a part of the community for a few years, but, you know, I barely had a freshman year. I wasn't even sure she knew who I was. So I was very flattered to, you know, be thought of to be a part of this. You know, it's given me a lot of time to reflect on these last eight or so months since, you know, February, March. Yeah, I think I've sort of seen how I've developed as a person. You know, I, I, I started it very angry and very troubled and very scared about this is being taken away from me. I feel cheated to sort of, you know, grinding through it and recognizing the fortunate reality that I have of being able to spend it with family. And then moving into the summer, 
you know, having some time to really reflect. And so now approaching the midway of fall quarter, I'm sure I like many of you, there's still this uncertainty. None of us really know what's happening when or if we'd go back, what that looks like. You know, if you did take something from this, I would hope it's something positive. I guess Yusuf and I, whenever this episode comes out, we're going to get very, very well acquainted with what we sound like on camera. That's always such microphones. an awkward thing. Yeah. Have you ever like film yourself and you hear your voice back and you're like, what the like, hell man, is that? I sound like that. So that's going to be a rude My life is a lie. But, but yeah, that's that's us, everyone. Yeah, thank um, you for listening. We're not going to plug our social media, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I think that's that's it. <laughs>